Shut up and sit down. everyone i took a break from from binge watching scared buddies trying to play video games on youtube to chat with you bitches um i don't know why i find it so fascinating but i do i mean um i watched them playing until dawn um and it was so fucking hilarious and um so anyways um the the things you do on youtube you should not have to defend okay i'm just saying that I'm just saying. And if I want to spend four or five hours watching idiots on BuzzFeed multiplayer playing video games, I will. Most especially, I'm terribly fond of of Kelsey and the 100 Baby Challenge. And I do not apologize for that. Anyways, I asked Jilly what she wanted to talk about. Because she wasn't writing. She was editing. And she needed to be rescued from editing. Um, <laughs> she just confessed in the chat room that she watches beauty tubers and she doesn't even wear makeup. I, I watch Patricia Bright and I don't shop online and that woman makes a, makes a job of shopping online. Um, anyways, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, the trope friends to lovers. And why it's such a big thing and um, when a trope kind of makes that transition into an outright genre. Uh, it, it, it's buttercream. It's not fondant. Excuse you. If there's anything more beautiful than a buttercream flower, I don't know what that would be. I mean... I'm just saying. Just saying. Anyways. I think some of my favorite fanfics are Friends to Lovers. And that's one reason why I became quickly enamored with um, the McKay Shepard pairing and why it eventually just kind of evolved into my OTP because um, of the friendship and and what you can build there and um, I honestly think that some of the best relationships you have in your life um, are the ones you make with friends. And when you can be friends with your romantic partner, it's just icing on your cake. Real buttercream. Maybe with actual butter. Yeah, with uh, actual butter. You know, the funny thing is when, we, when, I thought, when I thought about this, I realized kind of belatedly, like after I – suggested friends to lovers but this isn't really a trope that i write um i've looked through everything i've posted online um i have a couple things like in process that are more in this in this um um in that genre slash trope and when i look at the stuff i've got the stuff that's full-on friends to lovers is like a thousand words so i wouldn't really i wouldn't call that really writing it you know 
I have two stories that are longer that you could kind of say are friends to lovers, but they're they're muddled by their AU, which is Anomaly, John and Rodney are friends when they get involved, but they're also soulmates, which they don't find out to the end, which I find kind of makes the whole friends to lover thing murky. And then Imperfect, um, Derek and Tony are friends before they be, decide to become Bond as Sentinel Guide. But again, the Sentinel Guide thing makes their relationship a little less friends to lovers and more like friends to Sentinel and Guide because they wouldn't have taken that step if Tony hadn't come online. So it, it's not really something I really explored more than in shorts because definitely foolishly is definitely friends to lovers. But like I said, it's a thousand words. It's not really, I wouldn't call it exploring it. Um, so I just thought it was interesting in my own writing that that's not really there because the Tony Gibbs stuff, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Tony Gibbs friends to lovers no matter how long they'd known no. each other. It's just no. it's, it's that, that subordinate, that boss subordinate vibe is just a little bit, it, it edges it out of being at all friends to lovers for me. So, um, but I do like, I do like reading friends to lovers. So it was just interesting to me that I hadn't, had never, had never, really written it i plotted it a couple times but it's nothing nothing has ever made it through to um the end of the end of the path as as it were maybe it's because i'm impatient i don't know i don't know why i've never really followed through on that because i do <laughs> like reading it but i i, I, do, I, think make, that... I do think the friends go ahead okay i do think the friends to lovers thing has to be um actual friends for it to qualify as the genre it can't you know if they meet and they immediately start flirting and then fall into bed that's not friends to lovers that to me that's just we met and we fucked kind of you know um right meeting somebody you've got good chemistry with and you immediately start dating and then you get involved and you have the whole that's you know that's romance right friends to lovers is a little bit of a different different sort of a subgenre of romance i guess if you call it a genre at all um I think it's definitely yeah, making it there because the trope is so popular. Um, I I really think that it's this kind of carving out a niche in a niche in how do you say that in the romance genre. Um, I think that Finding Atlantis is probably um, my cl- closest to on point friends to lovers. I'd definitely say friends to lovers. Um, you were you were planning to have it be friends and maybe lovers, and then it's just kind right. of you know. But their chemistry is is always so on point. Um, Yeah. Human nature is heading that way uh, when it ends. Um, The air the angels breathe, they're friends. They become lovers. Um, Before um, before that, um, they'd had some um, stress-related sexual encounters, (laughs) as one does. Yeah. As you do, yeah. And but, what's, um, little, what, what's, what, what's an occasional alien ritual between friends, right? You know, alien right, sex ritual. Right. right. Um, the story I did for EAD overqualified that I have plotted friends to lovers, um, but again, you've got that kind of that that boss um, subordinate vibe. Mm-hmm. Is also going to be there a little bit, so that that kind of kind of I think muddies things a little bit. But um, 
Yeah, it's just it's not something. I guess I've, well, for starters, I've got a lot of Sentinel Guide stories, which definitely are not friends to lovers. Um, but that friends to lovers thing is in some of my shorts. It's just because you've got you know very few words, it's not really explored well. Now I feel oh, like I need know, to go honestly, really get on it. In in Sentinels of Atlantis, um, Daniel Jackson and Sam Carter are um, um, Sentinel and Guide. And um, their relationship started out platonic because they were um, D- Daniel was married, and Sam helped him hunt for his wife. Um, sincerely, I mean, she um, there was no. And then later, when it became obvious, I mean, well, well when Share died, um, their relationships remained friends and Sentinel guide, but they but they weren't lovers. And then there was a turn, so they did become, they did go from friends to lovers. Within a sentinel guide relationship, <clears throat> yeah, and that make it, 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 because their friendship they stayed, they didn't become lovers when they bonded. I think that that definitely fits the sentinel guide trope, the friends to lovers trope. Um, but if the, I think it, it, a lot of mine get invalidated. Uh, don't don't meet the don't meet the the burden of the trope because they don't become lovers until the sentinel guide aspect is introduced. So. I think a lot of times it's sitting on guide fix. It becomes a more of a lovers to friends situation that they start out. Um, yeah. I'm depending on how you do the bond and they grow into this um, relationship slash friendship as they move toward. Um... Now I think demons, um, the pure romance and the, the sexual chemistry was always so much so in your face. That it would be hard to call that friends to lovers. I think that Tony had a stronger friendship with Jarvis <laughs> in the start <laughs> than he did Tony. Um, yeah, because his romantic uh, and sexual interest in Tony was overt. Yeah, yeah. It. I. I. That one. Definitely. Yeah. I. I agree. It. it that that because they started with the flirting so early on, that was more of a pure room. It was in in stick around when they met. They they didn't flirt immediately, but they certainly weren't friends right away either. But the flirting and the friendship started kind of kind of were building at the same time, which is why it feels more like just pure romance to me. And it, and it always did. It was always how I envisioned that verse was that it was a pure romance thing. Even though there's a Sentinel Guide access, which is why I wanted them to get to know each other and be romantically involved before they got in, got to the um, Sentinel Guide part, was because I wanted them to have the I wanted to write that romance aspect of it. Uh, the, the story I had plotted that was going to be a friends to lovers, um, it, it's not going to go that way though, because the pairing just wasn't gelling in my head. Um, was when I had initially plotted impetus, which is like one of my oldest things on EAD. Um, Tony's in the next chapter. Tony would go to Hawaii and hook up with Danny, who he's known for years. They're they're old friends in, in that story, and that's established at the end of impetus. And it was going to be a friends to lovers for Tony and Danny. But I just wasn't feeling the pairing. And it's really hard for me to have Tony and Steve occupying the same space and not have them banging each other. Because so, mothership. Right. 
And it would be friends to lover for Tony and Steve in that case because they're going to meet and be attracted to each other and want to fall into bed, which wouldn't, you know. So it would kind of be, I mean, I think if I were to do a friends to lovers thing with like trying to do something with the mothership, I would have to do something where Tony and Steve have known each other since they were kids. Um, like, you know, the whole John takes Tony in for a while in Hawaii thing that is becoming a full on trope. And, um, and that Tony and Steve actually met. I usually have it like in Catalyst. I have it that they didn't actually meet during that time period. Um, that Steve was away at some wilderness thing. Um, and, um, So they, but if I did it so they met and kept in, in touch over the years and were aware of each other's career, sort of like long-distance friends, um, I could do that friends-to-lovers thing. That, that That's the only way I could think of that I could do mothership is if they've, they've known each other and been friends and then they wind up in the same space and the chemistry kind of sparks, that that could be a friends-to-lovers kind of thing with that pairing. But in general, I I tend to write and it's like they meet and they're attracted to each other and they kind of go the more conventional romance route. So, um, so that was sort of semi-plot plot drift there, uh, which would be I'd have to. Well, I guess I could do that. There's something I started right before. Um, no, I like the way that where that story starts. So I'd have to change where the start point was. I just have to plot something new. Um, It'd be pretty easy to do a Prince to Lovers thing with Tony Squared, um, Tony and Tony, um, Tony Stark, Tony Dinozo, because I could have them meeting in in boarding school um, briefly. Um, maybe when Tony Dinozo's eight, I have them. I have Stark being three years older, based upon um, my typical birthday for Tony Dinozo. So if they wanted to put the same boarding school before. Dinoza went to military academy they could keep in touch and then um, explore how what that would look like for them to kind of be sort of long distance see each other occasionally kind of friends that eventually get together I think that qualifies dark. It's the, if they're, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think the issue, you have the issue there that I have with imperfect, which is um, would their sexual relationship have occurred if they weren't sentinel and guide? And if the answer is no, then I wouldn't call it friends to lovers. If the answer is yes, like with what happened with Kira's story with Sentinels of Atlantis, then it would be friends to lovers. So um, that's just my interpretation of, of, of the, the trope is that there has to be a solid friendship aspect and the lover aspect is an evolution of the friendship and not brought about by some other circumstances like the Sentinel Guide thing or soulmates or whatever. I've been noodling the idea of Rodney being an online guide when they go to um, Atlantis, but um, there not being any Sentinels in the in the mix and um he's just not really interested at that point in his life in bonding um 
he he feels like he missed that window and and he's okay with it and he goes to pegasus with the expedition and um him and john hook up and john comes online while they're having sex ah friends to lovers to bonded <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And Rodney's like, what the fuck? This is not what I signed up for. I just wanted to get laid. Now I've got this sentinel. <laughs> John's freaked out. <laughs> it's not my fault. I just wanted to get laid. He explained to me. John's like, what? Him, like, Elizabeth's office, like, so what happened? Um... Rodney smells better than he did yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) We'd rather not discuss it, actually. (laughs) He's online. We need some time alone. (laughs) We need some time alone. I think it would actually be really Uh, interesting to explore that because Rodney has has a history at this point of not being interested in bonding. And I think that Weir would try to force it in order to make sure that John um, is taken care of as their gene holder, as their gene carrier, as their major gene carrier. And um, as the leader of the military, she um, she needs him to be in, in top shape. And so there would be this dynamic where Rodney would be on the fence and John would be like, dude, you need to back off to Elizabeth and she's trying to guilt Rodney into doing this and John's like well no this is not happening you need to back the fuck off um, and John's throwing a fit I just think it'd be really interesting just to explore that because in Sentinels of Atlantis I do have a Sentinel that was compelled to bond with a guide because the guide came online um, in a combat zone and it didn't work out in that they were so badly matched that his guide was killed in the field because they weren't um, they just weren't connected. They didn't have the right synergy, and he couldn't protect him. And so Chase has to come home and heal from this broken bond, and then he meets Matt, which is like his present. <laughs> yeah. It's a gift. <laughs> Matt is a great present. He deserved that. Because <laughs> I was thinking about who I would actually pair Chase with when I set up his backstory. I was like, I was looking at a realm at the available people in my in my plot documents to put um him with and I had never um I had actually paired Evan Lorne um with Jennifer Keller early on and I had paired and he was a sentinel anyway and I had paired Evan and Chase in Lantean Legacy and I had paired Evan and Matt in um Ties That Bind and I had paired Matt with um, Cameron Mitchell in what might have been and I was like well here's Matt and I actually had Matt slotted to be a sentinel like his brothers but I thought well what if he's more like his dad than his mom and so okay so he's a guide and then I was like well that's the prettiest picture I've made today <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm not mad at it <laughs> so but it would be interesting to explore them both being reluctant Roddy just being reluctant in general and John being reluctant you know reluctant because he doesn't want to force Rodney into a situation that he doesn't want and it would have a really his need to protect Rodney would override his need to bond 
the imperative to protect the guide would be overwhelming. And it might get Elizabeth Weir killed. I mean, <laughs> I I wouldn't be sad about this. Or put in a vegetative state. I mean, one of the two. I like that idea. I like it a lot. Of course, I'm never sad about John Rodney in a Sentinel Guide relationship, whether it's soon to be or already happening. So uh, they would have to quit fucking, though. Right. That's just. I hope that first time was awesome (laughs) because that's all they get until they figure out what they want to eat. No more sex for you. (laughs) I think it would just be really interesting. I think it would be. A, I think it would be a fascinating idea to to explore, um, because so often, and I love the trope. Don't get me wrong. It's like the perfect. You know, they you know they're meant. They know they meant for each other. They they meet. They bond. They they. It, I, I love that sort of. It's almost like a a a sort of like a, a subversion of the the love at first sight, right? But making more sense because you've put on some world building that actually explains the love at first sight thing. Um, is the, the typical Sentinel Guide thing, and I love that. I've written it plenty. So, but sometimes it's it's fun to explore, you know, when it's not quite so such as that that imperative, that bonding, that bonding drive, bonding imperative is present, where people are going ex- exploring it more slowly or taking it with more consideration, or there's more to do, more more than biology at play. <laughs> so many passive aggressive emails. Yeah, you're right. There would be a ton of them. It would be ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would just be really interesting. I don't know how long I could hold out on it because I think that their their attraction to each other would be immense. Um, and uh, I think it would change a lot of events on um, in the first season as well because I think the Marines would respond very well to to John as a Sentinel. Um, and there wouldn't be any sort of struggle in his takeover of the military after Sumner's death. Um, and maybe that's what the impetus of the sexual encounter is, is that John comes back from rescuing Sumner, and he's kind of throwing off all this this angst and grief, and Rodney can't handle it. And he's like, I'm going to make him feel better. <laughs> We'll just get this squared away. <laughs> and he ends up um, kind of, uh, John comes online. So it could be a mixture of things. Like it's the the, the close contact to a guide, um, the response of uh, the wraith, the threat of the wraith, um, him having to kill his commanding officer. Just a, just a clusterfuck of, of events piling on him, and he ends up in the arms of an online guide 
um, and it's just too much. It's, it, it, it's like the final straw. I think that'd be really interesting to write, <clears throat> and maybe I'll write yeah. it next year since we're having the <clears throat> the year of the Sentinel on Rough Trade, or the year of the Guide. It depends upon how you look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I meant the Sentinel as the TV show, so. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to, to write that. So maybe I'll write that for my November project. Because I wouldn't think I would have room. I would like to stay within 30K in April. And it sure as hell wouldn't work in a short story format. So it's probably going to be my nano next year. <clears throat> I usually in April give – my uh, my goal in April is to give myself room to write up to 50K. That way I could do something novel length if my idea is a little bit bigger because I'm going to do short, basically short in almost the same length times two in July because I usually go 100K in November. So <laughs> now I kind of blew it out in um, this April, but uh, sequels are what they are. <laughs> so I need to. I'm opening up my nano notebook to take that out and put that in there so I won't forget it because I'll be like three weeks from now, what was that idea I had for nano in 2020? <laughs> I'll be like, I don't know. What was your idea? So, I think some fandoms lean themselves more towards the friends to lovers trope than others. Um, someone mentioned um, the distill pairing in um, uh, Supernatural. Makes sense. Um, I think Stargate is a good one for it, both SG-1 and SGA, depending on how you work it. Um, Starsky and Hutch would be a good one. Um, I've never written it, re- written it, but I have read it. Uh, the um, most caught buddy shows, and it, up into and including the Sentinel, um, would be yeah, especially the original Sentinel without the without the Fanon guide trope attached to it. Um, they're definitely friends on yeah. the show, and it can grow. There's yeah, I agree. There's definitely a. There's a, there's quite a bit of friends to lovers in the actual Sentinel fandom. Um, Allie Jude wrote sent, uh, friends to lovers quite a lot. She's a very good um, Sentinel writer. Um, was I thinking there's another one that would be good? Uh, actually, if it's first season Hawaii Five O, um, it Danny and Steve was was often written for friends to lovers. I don't read after first season because I just can't deal with the affair stuff. Um, but that was often written as, as friends to lovers. So there's a lot of it there. But that that definitely fits into the whole buddy cop vibe. I'm trying to think of what other. I think in, in the original series for Star Trek, um, Kirk Bones, Kirk Spock, Spock Bones, they all three would work as friends to lovers because. 
um, they did develop a really good friendship throughout the series and movies. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, one of the things I've noticed sometimes with things that are called uh, or people tend to think of as friends to lovers is sometimes it's not actually a friends to lovers thing because it's like – or it's, maybe it's fuck buddies to lovers, which is sort of a little bit of a different thing because I've read – I've read a few um, Kirk Bones stories where they are were fuck buddies in the academy, and then they get into a relationship later. It's sort of friends to lovers. Um, it doesn't quite meet my idea of the friends to lovers trope, as if there's already a sexual component there. So. I I I agree, Margaret. I think the last Star Trek movie um, did have good um, Spock Bones chemistry on screen. I hadn't seen it before that movie, but that movie kind of made me head tilt a little bit and go, huh. And it needs to be said that Carl Urban is one sexy motherfucker. So it's you know. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with giving him some extra. Um, Whatever. Screen time, whatever he wants, with whomever. <laughs> I um, I, I was talking about almost human last night, and um, the burgeoning friendship between Dorian and the cop whose name I just forgot, um. Is really interesting, and it would. I would John like to Kenick. see that explored over several. Kinnick, Kendrick, Kinnick, John Kinnick, Kinnick, John Kinnick. It would have been really interesting to see that explored over um, uh, over some a serious amount of TV that we did not get. Fuck you, Fox. Um, but especially I actually since they, story. Had, I mean, they had Dorian whipping his dick out in the middle of the in the middle of the police cruiser. So, and John was very impressed with it. <laughs> I actually started a story where John has come out of the coma and he's been put back on the force and he has to have a um a android companion and he's gone through a whole bunch of those regular ones and he's he keeps killing them off basically um in on the job in ways that he can't get in trouble for um but he's exceeded his captain's budget so he has to buy his own and so he talks her into letting him buy um one of the other models, Dorian. Um, and uh, he uh, he doesn't really want to own an android, but he doesn't have a choice because he can't go into the field without them, and he can't um, get a new one uh, from the budget because the last one he killed wasn't even his own. It was the other guy's, um, the smartass. It was his robot because he had a PTSD flashback from the other robot that he had that tried to kill him because the robots had decided that he was a serial killer. Anyways, there was a, there was a, there was a conspiracy. <laughs> well, he is, he is so he kind is of a serial killer. A serial killer. <laughs> so he ends up with Dorian and he's got Dorian in the car and he's like, he has all of his stuff and he has, you know, the station to, to, and he set up a room for him and he's like, this is going to be your room and this is your charging station and this is your stuff. And, um, and he doesn't want to own a person and Dorian looks like a person. So it's really fucking with him. And then, and then they canceled the show and I got so mad. I rage quit my story. Yeah. <laughs> 
but eventually I was going to have it where he um he gave um his uh his basically he transferred ownership of Dorian to Dorian and he did it in a way that was legal and no one could interfere with it and it caused a whole um kind of a revolution with with that particular version of the bots who were more um that they were that they that they had AIs and um because it was legal and no one could do anything about it and it created um personhood for the androids and um that was in my plot so and of course him and Dorian hooked up because that was also in my plot <laughs> And the whole reason he freed Dorian is because he didn't want to have that going on because he didn't want to have sex with with Dorian because he owned him. And so he freed him, and Dorian's like, do I have to move out? And he's like, no, but you could move into my room if you want. (laughs) That's your choice. (laughs) Because you own yourself now. (laughs) Come on in. But only if you're really game. So, yeah. So, yeah, I plotted a robot revolution, as one does. Um, but I was really pleased with my whole story. And then, and then they canceled the show, and I rage quit. And so maybe I'll come back to it. Um, it's, it was called Almost Human. Dark and it was on Fox and it had Carl Urban in it and um, it was great. It yeah, it season. was it was. They, and they 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 did a really good even though they put they have a bunch the episodes are weirdly not in order, um, but they did a bunch of foreshadowing of stuff that they never got to explore. So they had laid down all of this world this this stuff that these threads that you you knew were going to knit something interesting eventually and then the show got canceled so you know because fox but it you know that's it's still worth Don watching and dorian from almost human that's them yeah i just posted it, it's a picture still worth of watching people. even though even though it's uh it's it was canceled but it, it's definitely it's entertaining um Especially, you know, some of the some of the byplay between uh, Kenix and Dorian, um, I find found to be particularly well crafted. What I would also say is that they were also hinting to the fact that Dorian had a human consciousness. Yeah, they did. They were definitely going that direction. There's something different. He about was Dorian. having memories of his life before he was an android, and he was having dreams about it. And so I think we would have eventually found out that that Dorian was actually um that he that he used to be human. So but you could definitely go there. You could you know run with those hints and write it that way. Like somebody had figured out a way to download a human consciousness. Maybe that's why the synthetic soul was created in the first place. Um, I do know somebody mentioned in the chat person of interest. I do think that's a good potential. I don't personally ship it, but um, I do think it's a show that's got a lot of good potential to go friends to lovers. Um, 
So, yeah, I think that's another good one. A lot of the ones that have that law enforcement vibe, there's usually the whole there, – there's usually potential somewhere in there. I think that Dollhouse – I never watched Dollhouse because I found it very offensive. Um, the idea that all those people were getting their personalities subverted, it, it just – it really – offended the shit out of me and I could not watch it. <clears throat> so I don't know if there's potential there for that or not. Yeah, I didn't watch that wasn't I wasn't the show I was gonna watch either. Nope, nope, nope. Um, yeah, the, the, I think every CSI had franchise had some friends to lovers potential. Um, I usually wound up disliking um, the heads of each of the respective crime labs, so that was wound up not at first, but eventually I started disliking them all. So uh, that was a, a sort of like killed my shipping vibe on on, on the CSI front. Um, I don't think there's good friends to lovers potential anywhere actually in core in CIS. Um, because there was never that buddy cop vibe in that show, which is why we have to go outside for the mothership. Or, you know, to New York or, or Malibu and hang out with Tony, you know, for the Tony, the Tony ship. Um, the thing about the friends to lovers thing is I think the characters have to actually be friends. Um, so, like, in Criminal Minds, I think the only potential friends to lovers would be either Derek and Spencer or even possibly Derek and Emily. I think Spencer and JJ. Spencer and JJ would be, yeah. And I think Derek Penelope, too, could be friends But I to love lovers. JJ's marriage. It's so healthy and awesome, and I love her husband. He's so um, I love spot on. Actually, like, yes. I like Will better than JJ, actually. I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. So um, I wouldn't want to mess with that relationship, but I do think that that potential is there. Um, I'm more likely to ship these days, um, Derek, uh, with Garcia. I don't know why. I just think it's there's there's something I, really special there. I definitely ship it. I definitely ship it. There's there's no doubt that I ship that. But I do. I could see Derek with with Spencer too. Because um, I, I definitely. I'm not. I'm not in like OTB territory. I don't. I don't think. Um, mm. But like, I don't think. I don't think Hotch is friends enough with anybody on the team to have that whole friend to lovers thing. Um, I do think the but, show had a canon. A canon friends to lovers behind the scenes um, with Rossi and Aaron Strauss. Yes. Which you don't find out about until really, she dies. You know, I really enjoyed that. And when she finally, when she, I, I liked the, the, 
the maturation of her character and how she grew and changed with the show. And then they killed her. And I was like, I want to stab you. I want to stab all of yeah. you. What? What? Why'd you do that? I actually read a really good Friends to Lovers with Aaron and Dave. Um, I wrecked it on uh, Slash World. It's fantastic. About really? What it's called. I'll have to look it up. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Um, from a Friends to Lovers perspective, I could kind of ship Farnell Gibbs. I wouldn't want to write it, but I'd, I'd, I'd be there for it as somebody that I liked. Uh, the writer wrote it. Um, I've done it as a background pairing, but I wouldn't put it like I wouldn't want to actually write the evolution of that, that relationship. Um, we'll call that the Silver Fox ship because what else would you call it? Um, yeah, I don't see any sexual chemistry between Pride and Chris. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can okay. It's um, it's called the expansion of two natures by the inner Slytherin and severity softly, severity softly, um, and it's uh, yeah. I'm gonna get you guys a link. Oh, it's currently linked on Live Journal. I hope it's. Available elsewhere. I don't like sending people to Life Journal. I mean, it's a nightmare. Um, There are, I can't, couldn't name it off the top of my head, but I have read quite a lot of um, Friends to Lovers in Teen Wolf. Um, some people choose to let the relationship, budding relationship between Derek and Styles, kind of percolate and be a friendship thing that eventually evolves into lovers out when Styles is older, which, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> Who would I pair with Pride? Um, in the right circumstances, I'd I'd pair Tony with Pride. I, I think would that too. would be yeah. really, really hot. Well, I plotted a story where um, it was intended to be a different pairing at the beginning, but the more I worked on the plot, the more it was working out to be Tony Pride, which this was the story where Tony can't um, – um, the, after the events of Dead Air, he just will not be in law enforcement anymore. He just says no. He doesn't feel like he can trust any. He, he, I I wanted to explore the concept because I wanted to explore the whole idea of of the reality of what would be like if your trust was fractured that badly. And I would think having your backup abandon you when you were undercover would be a colossal betrayal that I don't know how somebody would actually realistically would come back from. So I wanted to explore the idea that he couldn't go, he couldn't like make himself go back out into law enforcement. He could if he wasn't in a role to be in the field, but that wasn't what he wanted to do with his life. So he travels around and decides to fall back on. I have Tony often in my in my character profiles working as a short order cook um, to pay for his first, you know, his necessities the first couple of years of college. Um, but I changed it for this one to have him working in a bakery. And so he falls back on that and opens up a pastry shop off of um, Bourbon Street. And 
he and Pride get to know each other because Pride drops in every morning for beignets and coffee, and they become friends and eventually get involved. So that's the only like plot where I really explored those two, and it was intended to be Tony Chris, but I wasn't feeling the chemistry between them, uh, and I was really liking Pride more in in the in the plot. So that's what I had done with that. Um, I think there is some Tony Pride. There's at least one I know of that's sort of pre, um, but Pride is is getting divorced, I think, or something like that, and it doesn't really, um, it, it doesn't, it's not, it's not realized in the relationship. But they are friends, so it's sort of like pre. They're friends, pre-lovers, in, in the one story I could think of. I can only find the expansion of two natures um, by Inner Slytherin and Severity Softly on Live Journal. Um, Inner Slytherin has an AO3 profile, but it's not listed um, that I can find. So, yeah. That is some. I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna own it. That's some eye bleed colors there. <laughs> Good thing I have a reader view. Right. It's like wow. neon green. Wow. Holy crap. <laughs> it is. It is startling. <laughs> the color background um but yeah so i actually really enjoyed the story and i don't know how i stumbled across it because i nor at the time i was reading exclusively um morgan reed so i don't know how that happened (laughs) but um sometimes you just stumble across something um Um, <clears throat> um, the um, what's it called? Some, sometimes you're looking, you're reading something, you know, you're you're cruising along with your search results on AO3 or wherever, and all of a sudden it's like you see something and you kind of head tilt and you go, really? Huh? I'm really curious. <laughs> Sometimes curiosity, more often than not, curiosity leads me really bad places. But sometimes it leads me to some really good stuff too. So, um, yeah, sometimes you pay for your curiosity, and it is not good. I mean, you know, you you, and sometimes you get curious about something, and you buy this thing at Publix that you probably should not buy because you don't need it. You bring it home and you open it up and you're thinking it's probably going to be like a moon pie, but it's not. I bought a Russell Stover's um, some more at the uh, at Publix yesterday, and it was delicious. I highly recommend it. Now I like moon pies, no lie. So I wasn't going to be disappointed either way. But it was it had a crispy graham cracker and a really nice chocolate and a really smooth marshmallow cream inside. 
I highly recommend it if you like marshmallows and chocolate and graham crackers. And if you don't, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I hope you get it fixed. Okay, so somebody, people have identified the fic I mentioned, the one, the only one I knew of that was Tony, well, like I said, pre-Tony Pride, which is, sorry, I lost it here for a second, Kind of Blue by Desert Poe, which you can find on the Wild Hair Project. Um, and then somebody else mentioned that with that pairing, I haven't, I haven't read them, but um, that there's a couple of Tony Pride stories by Helvels on AO3. Um, part of um, the, they said what series? The Tony's Little Black Book series. They're fantastic. I, I bought four. Two for me and two for my husband. I've eaten one. I don't know if my husband will be getting his. I'm just saying. I don't think he appreciates chocolate as much as he should. I'm not sure he deserves them. Because once I bought that man truffles, and he was like, it was okay. I bought him truffles dipped in fucking Dutch chocolate, and he said it was just okay. So I don't think he actually deserves the s'mores. Well, neither one of us need it. I'm just saying I might want it more than him. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you do. And he owes you for all of the attempts at foot prison. And and the whole Oreo thing, which I have not gotten over. Speaking of, I do have some chocolate Oreos downstairs. So last night I'm sitting here on my computer doing my thing. And my husband comes out of the bedroom and says, it's my own fault. I'm the one that married the little psycho. I kept walking. So mm-hmm. I repeated this to Billy, and she asked me why I, why he called me a little psycho. And I knew. Because my husband what I asked is what, what, what could he have found in the bedroom that would have elicited <laughs> that response? My husband is one of those people who sleeps with the covers tucked in under the bottom of the bed. And he tucks them in, and then he wraps up in it like a burrito, like he's in the womb or something. And I'm a sprawler, and I sleep with my feet out. So a lot of times by the time I get up, I have untucked all the covers. He thinks I'm a psycho for that. I think he's the psycho because I, who sleeps with their feet in prison? And I just don't understand. Right? I need one foot stuck out in order to moderate my body temperature. That's right. That's how you control things. And if you're really, really desperate, you stick both feet out. And if that's not enough, you stick your butt out. But you never stick your arm out because that's not cool. <laughs> no. I, I didn't even might get your arm <laughs> <laughs> but thinking of that, I had a plot buddy once where Harry was um, living in, in in his cupboard, and he thought there was a monster under the bed. Um, and this was actually something that I used to do when I was little, because I decided I wanted to catch the monster. And I stuck my foot over the side of the bed so I could catch the monster. 
I never caught the monster. But I thought, wouldn't it be funny if if Harry did that and he caught a monster? That would be awesome. <laughs> but it would be like probably like, a snake. It would probably be like um, a snake that followed him home from school or something. And um, because he's a parcel mouse or something. And so he has, that's how he gets a pet. I'd want I'd want to full on go monsters though, like little weird little like funny creature things that nobody else that hide from everybody else that they're weirdly drawn to Harry. So they hide under the bed and hope that he'll catch them. <laughs> and he like gets like a little he like you know, maybe he's at, at Hogwarts, he has like a little dimensional trunk and he has all of his little monsters living in them. Living in it, you know? A whole a whole army of little monsters. A little monster. He actually has a Nargle. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, in his little monster trunk. That could be, and he could have Nargle. They could all be Nargles. I think that if Harry actually attracted Nargles, that the only pairing for that story would be him and Luna. Yes, and Luna. <laughs> I was just thinking that, yeah. He would definitely, and that he could court her with his trunk full of Nargles. <laughs> I've been catching nargles for seven years. Luna, will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a truck of them. <laughs> but no, I do like the idea of, of him catching something under his bed and it um, and it helping him along his way. Um, okay, Margaret, also just, had Margaret, idea. Just, Margaret went there, though, to catch a Smurfs. <laughs> Well, depending on your point of view, they could be quite monstrous. <laughs> they could be, yeah. But I also have Plot Buddy where um, James Potter's familiar followed him to Privet Drive. Um, so it might be interesting to combine those two ideas. And um, Fraggles, Fraggles, down in Fraggle Rock. Let's tell you guys the story. Pony. My husband came home Um in a very, very bad mood. And me being the person that I am, I put my hair up in ponytails, went downstairs, stood in his, <laughs> stood in the, the doorway of his office and acted out the, the opening scene of Fraggle. <laughs> I sang the whole song. Ah. <sighs> But Fraggles, definitely Fraggles. Well, if my feet are cold, I cover them up. But I have to have the ability to stick one fo- stick one foot out to moderate my body temperature. I've always been that way, but I never did catch a monster, even though I, I seriously tried. Fred Savage. Chat, the chat, the chat room is not refreshing for me. I'm having to love reload Discord. There we go. It was Drop Dead Fred, and it was Howie Mandel. No, it was Phoebe Kate. I forget who the dude was, but the only thing I really remember is when he's when Fred is is scooting around the kitchen and he ends up under her mother's dress and he goes, "Oh, cobwebs!" <laughs> yeah, 
Okay, we took a turn for the crack with all of the, you know, all of the kid movie, kid TV shows as monsters hiding under Harry's bed. Um, I think it would be fun to do a, a Friends to Lovers with Harry and Hermione. I often go straight to a romance with them. Um, I mean, obviously they are friends. Uh, but I always tend to have a, a romantic undertone to their friendship. But it would be interesting um, to do it where they really were just friends, and then one day things just took a turn, as that as that really happened, you know. Yeah, for me, the, the friends to lovers trope, the times when I've seen it employed the most successfully is, when there's you have to have some kind of other plot going on, right? There has to be something that's keeping them in proximity to each other or um something that is, you know, pushing them together more than usual. Um and sometimes that's offset by like a case or or a hunt, I guess, you know, if you're in like Supernatural or Teen Wolf or something like that, Monster of the Week. Something that puts your your two your two kind of working together or in proximity or provides some kind of catalyst for the change in their relationship sudden death but there's some sort of storyline that goes with it. it has to have to have to be happening and um i think it's really important not to change or short change that that aspect of it otherwise it just feels like a a nod to the friends part before they're lovers you know what i mean yeah well see, i have this i have this little plot bunny for harry and hermione where um Harry um, leaves a statement, a bank statement on his desk, and it's for his old trust account, which he's turning into a trust fund for Teddy. And Jenny finds it, and she thinks that's all the money he has, and she confronts him about it. And he doesn't tell her the truth, that that's just his old trust account, because he has a lot of money. He got money from his parents, and he also got the Black Estate from Sirius. Um, and she breaks up with him, because she doesn't want to be poor. And he realizes that she never loved him. And he's like, okay, that's fine. You need to go. And he's talking to Hermione about it. And Hermione is talking about turning down a place at the International Academy because um, she thinks that she needs to stay in Britain with Ron. And he was like, why? That's an opportunity of a lifetime. You should take it. And um, he says, or you can, you, know, you can stay here in Britain and, and marry Ron and Molly will teach you some household charms and you'll get a job to support him in his dreams. He currently wants to be a professional Quidditch player. Um, you'll have to take care of the kids and there'll be more than one. Um, and he just goes, uh, just, just, just lays out this horrific future for her married to Ron Weasley. And she's looking at him like her world has, has just been shattered. She says, I'm going to Rome. And he goes, go, go. And she runs out of the house and goes to Rome. <laughs> escape this nightmare future that Harry had laid out for her. <laughs> but wouldn't it be interesting, like, if a year or two later, while she's in school, he gets invited to the ICW to train as a war mage, and um, they they kind of, you know, start seeing each other regularly, uh, having lunches to sit together, and, and they fall in love. I'm into it. Yeah, so it'd be really interesting. Because, you know, honestly, if 
if Ron Ron never grew up, and by the end of the books, he there was no he was really no different than he was when he was eleven. He was uh, selfish, and he was immature, and he was lazy, and and I really don't understand how Hermione ended up being his participation trophy. His half ass really, participation trophy. It's really it's it's really kinda of, it's really it's butt ugly is what it is. Um I mean I, I think if she had written I think I think the epilogue sort of um what happens sometimes uh, is when you write something that's far reaching into the future is that you you a writer can pick something you know, I'll kind of off the top of the head. Well, I'll do this, this, and this because it makes sense and it ties things up. But you know, if they had written through to to, to that conclusion, that it never would have happened. Because I really don't believe if if J.K. Rowling had had to write the evolution of Ron and Hermione's relationship, that it would have done anything but fizzle after Hogwarts. Because it just doesn't. It just doesn't. They don't gel. They didn't gel in the books as it was. So the epilogue felt like it was like a far-reaching kind of, well, I'm going to try to put everybody in nice little boxes kind of thing that ultimately never worked. But you know, no, if she had to write an eighth book where you saw the evolution of their relationships and stuff and everybody getting married, it just wouldn't have happened because they they have no chemistry. I read the synopsis um, for the Curse Trial, but I've never read it, and I never will, and I'll never see it on stage. Um, it, uh, I'm sure she got a licensing fee out of it, but I don't know. Um, considering how much money she has and how much money she's donated, I don't think money was the issue because um, she actually donated herself out of a top 100 list of, of of rich people in Europe just through charity. So I don't think that was her motivation for that. I just, I don't know why she thought that was, I don't know why she would have approved it. <clears throat> but I don't like, I don't like the premise of the cursed child at all. So to me, it's not canon. If I haven't seen it, it's not canon in my head. I also yeah, haven't like watched the Fantastic Beasts movies. And just like just like we you know we're firmly in the epilogue what epilogue kind of camp, it didn't happen. It doesn't matter. It didn't happen in, in book. my book. It's not. It's not in Kira. It's not in Kira's book. She made sure of it. I sure did. For those of you who don't know who 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 might have missed that podcast, yes, I did cut the epilogue out of my book. I regret nothing.
Okay, so I'm I'm listening here making a list of like pairings I'm interested in doing friends to lovers with. Um, so okay, I'll make a list too. Um, definitely Harry and Hermione, which I've I've never really done that, so that would be fun. I've got Tony Squared, um, Tony Pride. I'm gonna do Tony Steve McGarrett. Definitely Tony Steve. Um, um, Tony Ian. I might just set the um, for that one and some something I'm working on soon. I wonder if that might that might change my angle on that thing that we were talking about the other day. Sort of make it well, no, that's supposed to be a complete thing. Okay. Um are my favorite Tony ships. Those are my favorite Tony ships. Um, <laughs> oh, Tony. I don't know how I do. Um, oh, I did write kind of a friends to sort of lovers thing. I forgot about that. What was that called? Um, the Tony Stephen Caldwell thing? Do you remember that? I do. And I, I liked where it was going so much that I wanted to expand it into something longer than what I had put up on. I can't, if I can't remember what it's called, I don't know how I'd find it. <laughs> That's really sad. Um, I think her gratefulness of not being stuck in a marriage to Ron Weasley would overwhelm her horror at the defilement of a book. Plus, I ritually destroyed it later, so. Starlight says it's on the workshop, and so does Dark, so. It's in the snippets. It is. Um, it's called, I, I just found it on, on, I didn't find it on the workshop, but on my system it's called Untiny, Untitled Tony Caldwell Story. <laughs> certainly descriptive. <clears throat> but yeah, they're they're good friends at the beginning of that and they get involved. Um it's it's the the catalyst for them noticing for, for Stephen figuring out that, you know, Tony might be kind of developing feelings for him is that Tony knows him so well and pays such close attention to him that he notices that Stephen ha- has been snaked when nobody else did. So that was the premise behind that story. And I had decided not to post it um, I've decided not to post it because um I wanted to expand it. It was supposed to be for a two thousand word thing, right, and where mm-hmm. where it ended up was like at thirty three hundred words, so I was already way over the word count, so I decided <laughs> to expand it, but yeah, it just kind of wound up being like an processing. Tony Cam Mitchell. I don't. I don't. I've tried actually plotting that. I, 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 I can't write Tony with with people I don't see chemistry with, and I just don't. I so far in nothing I've worked on have I, um, found the chemistry between those two. Um, it just hasn't. I mean, I did. I did have them paired in a short, a one thousand word short, but other than saying that they were a pairing, there was no exploration of it. So. Um, yeah, one of my one of my shorts has them 
in a relationship, but it just isn't, it hasn't gelled for me as a, as a feature pairing in a, in something more than, more than a short. So, um, it could be that I just, you know, need to actually sit in, dig in and try the writing and see how it goes. But that it just, it hasn't, it hasn't worked for me so far. Um, yeah, I do like Mitch. I like him a lot as Caldwell. I was really pleased yeah. with that casting. I had a plot bunny once that they got so frustrated with the ancient database being so fucked up that they they cast a pretty wide net to find people to work on it. And uh, Garcia was recruited. Oh, I like that. Because she's such a wild card. And um, she had, uh, she, she, she was recovering from being shot. And uh, she just decided to say yes. She, she used to take a, take a sabbatical from the FBI um, to go to um, fix this database that they're talking about. Um, that was a fantastic episode of Criminal Minds that Mitch, how do you say his last name? Pelleggi. Pelleggi was in. It's fantastic, um, but terrible at the same time. I mean, I knew it. I, I saw it coming, but I was like, oh, God, please, please don't let it be. Oh, God, please don't let it be. But it was. It was. It was fantastic fucking casting, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not mad at you, as I I get it. I too want to see Michael Weatherly making out with Jason Stratham, <laughs> or is it Stratham? I always say Stratham. Statham. Is that Statham? Is that it's Statham. It's Statham. Statham. Yeah. Statham. Jason Statham. I yeah. I'm not mad. But my Garcia show it. it story, it, it wouldn't be a permanent placement for her. It would be like, okay, I'll come fix your problem. And then they tell her what's going on, and she's like, you want me to go where? <laughs> I'm going to do Are what? you kidding me? <laughs> so, hold on. I, mean, I have to go shopping. I'll be right back. <laughs> Got to pick up some stuff. <laughs> she heads to Atlantis in all her glory. Can you just see her walking through the gate? <laughs> Here's my stuff. I'm still working on my list of people that I could see doing a friends to lovers thing with, with, well, in general, but I, you know, um, I, I think I could do a Derek, Derek Styles friends to lovers. Actually, I'm sort of working on a Derek Styles friends to lovers thing. Um, I'm trying to think of, She'd be like, mm-hmm. these are my Marines. I picked them out myself. <laughs> they stay with me.
Um, someone just sent me some suggestions. Let me read this. Oh no! <laughs> no, you missed. I don't. I don't. I can't. No, I'm not going to break up the John and Rodney. <laughs> what? 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 What did you do? Yeah, it suggested that I pair Tony with Rodney. Um, ah, no, 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 no. They could. I mean, they could do a, like a. Is, yeah, OTP violation, right? It could be that could be they could be fuck buddies. But I couldn't do the friends to lovers thing because once Rodney meets John, all bets are off. But I, it could be this. I mean, I still, you know, like it, it is my headcanon that John and Tony are related. <laughs> Talked about that. It's a it's a deeply unfortunate thing, but um, that I mean, I sometimes you get you you you. you you incept yourself, and then that, that's it. And that one particularly really took over my brain. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, the um, the best I could do there would be that like it'd be more of an exploration of things being different for Rodney, with maybe somebody on his side before he um, he meets John, which is that they kind of. Um, or like maybe fuck buddies occasionally, uh, but are good friends. And then Rodney meets John, and they get together. That's I, that's the only way I could I would could ever put Rodney and Tony in a relationship is, and it wouldn't be a real relationship. It would just be goofing off, you know, stress relief. And even then, it starts to become kind of hinky because if Tony is related to John, the fact that Tony and Rodney have had a sexual relationship just I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. In <laughs> um, what might have been, John and Rodney both had cameras. <laughs> he ends up with Matt. <laughs> it didn't bother me at all. <laughs> there you go. I mostly write most of my stories. I wrote write Tony and one of part of the romantic pairing. Other than other than John Rodney and Derek Styles, that's kind of most of my pairings have Tony in them. Um, and I am I know I'm I'm more limited than some authors are about who I will pair him with. But there you go. Once you have an OTP, it, it can really interfere with you. I mean. Yeah, John and um, was married to Nancy, which was just a friendship mistake. You know, they 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 took it too far, um, and she ends up with his brother David. Um, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, they're all adults; they can handle it. One of my favorite lines in "Hold My Coffee" is when. Um, Mer- when when Meredith and John are talking about using condoms and John says he has no problem using condoms that he handled the birth control in his marriage and it wasn't a big deal and he doesn't you know he doesn't have any expectations there um and she smarts off and says yeah you you handled it better than your brother <laughs> but at that point they had found out that um Nancy was pregnant <laughs>
it's my favorite line of the whole story. Uh, you Except know, John for, Rodney. Was, hey there, Maureen. Hey there, Maureen. Yeah. The moment I, John Rodney was an unintentional OTP for me. I was firmly in the uh, no OTP camp. Um, and then I started having a hard time reading stories where they were with other people. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> I'm like, no, but John, when I start thinking to myself when I'm trying to read them with another person and going, but you're supposed to be with Rodney or you're supposed to be with John, I was like, ah, oh, hell. I've, I've got kind of like a backdoor OTP I don't have to do with myself. an interesting idea that could i i that could be an interesting plot device to get um john and rodney together which is like tony comes on to atlantis as um agent afloat or whatever and um he and rodney get a friends with benefits thing is going on and john's like wait wait a minute (laughs) i don't understand what are you doing with my astrophysicist well, he's more fun than you are, Colonel Shepard. <laughs> I'm the older sibling. Oh. I'm definitely more responsible. Yeah, I'm I'm the oldest of seven, believe me, I'm most responsible. Um, let me think. Oh, so I said it, it, somebody asked in the sequel to React, would the Tony John Winchester be friends to lovers? No, no, that would not because John John Winchester's all up in that the minute he sees Tony, he's trying to get him into bed. There's, there's... As one does. John is a complete lech in the way I have that planned. Um, his his sons and his daughters are just like, Dad, we can't even with you anymore because he's such an outrageous flirt. Um, and he, he tries to get he, – he, he propositions Tony when they meet. So um, Wait, so in your story, Winchester has more than two sons? He has, he has daughters too? Or is that canon? Yeah. Um, were there girls in Supernatural? No, no, no. Okay. Well, because because Mary's alive. Um, that's her name, right? Yeah, you know, she's. This is not. We oh. don't have the whole supernatural issue. But they kind of had. I I I, I plotted that they have an arranged marriage. They had an arranged marriage, so they got divorced. Um, and she's with somebody else. Um, in the in the story, she's with somebody else. So they have they have they have a, like a big kind of compound that they live at, but. Um, she's married to somebody who, well, actually, I have her with a woman. Um, but they, so both of them have children with through John. He doesn't fuck them anymore. But you know, he he he's he's the father of all of the children. Um, oh. Because they, according according to Mary, we make beautiful babies, so we need to keep on doing it. Um, <laughs> I forgot about Adam. So yeah, but there's the 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 I've done a, an original character. Um, one of the daughters comes to Beacon Hills um, with with Dean. So Dean and one of the daughters accompany John to Beacon Hills in the sequel, in which is, the sequel is called Recover. Um, and the first time John and Tony meet, John propositions them, and both Dean and um, 
Um, I think I named her Angela, I think. I think that was the name. I have to double check. But they both just kind of roll their eyes and go, oh, my God, not again. <laughs> because that's just the way he is. So, yeah, they will not be a friends to lovers thing. It's just going to be a boom. Tony giving him the stink eye for quite a while before he's like, oh, all right, fine. I'm really stressed. And I totally need to get laid. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not interested in supernatural canon as opposed as it applies to that story. I'm not using it at all. I'm just pulling the characters because why not? Yeah, exactly. Except you know, raunchier, dark. Because <laughs> Thor is at least a little bit. Um, um, I don't know that circumspect is the right word, but there's something very formal about his um, flirting. I don't know that I could do a friend's lovers with Tony and Thor because it's just my headcanon that they just jump into bed together. Tony Stark and Loki or Tony Dinozo and Loki? I we don't have, think have, Tony Dinozo would ever trust Loki enough to get in bed with him. Um, I agree. But Tony Stark has a danger kink, um, and 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 he's an adrenaline junkie. So I don't see why he wouldn't climb on top of a frost giant. Uh, but fuck, fuck buddies, maybe, maybe it it would depend if Tony got if Dinozo got caught up in a. Um, like a time travel situation where he had to spend a lot of time with Loki or something. This is where you could have circumstances like be such that they also wind up in bed together. But just in general, if they just kind of met in the course of things in New York or whatever, Tony be like, no, <laughs> yeah, I, you're hot and all, but no. Let's see. I actually wanted to do a Friends to Lovers um, with Bruce Banner and Tony Stark in my November, um, in my in my take on our prompt. Um, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, I um, I OTP'd myself when it when it comes to Bruce Banner, um, because I kind of fell in love with my version of Betty Ross and. Um, I can't because Betty Ross is going to be up all in that. <laughs> yeah. I I had and the I think we didn't talk about this, but I had been sort of one of the two pairings I've been considering for November was also Tony Bruce and a friends to lovers kind of vibe. And I'm not quite at the OTP level with Bruce and Betty, but just because probably only because I've written Bruce with somebody else in the past. So mm-hmm. there's that headcanon rattling around in there. Um, but it's pretty damn close. It's sort of like when I was like considering pairings for Bruce, it was like, but Betty. <laughs> right? Betty. So.
I'd be careful not to, to – I almost said something I shouldn't. So, um, <laughs> um, hmm. We are precariously close to the first day of the quantum pain. <laughs> it's getting there. Yeah, we are. Less than a month away now. The risk of being a terrible fifties. tease. Um, do you remember that story that I plotted? It was for the quantum bang. I talked to you about it quite a bit with um, – it was, it was actually where I conceived the creation stone idea. And the creation stone yes. wakes up wakes up in response to what happens with the infant with the snap. Yes. And the creation stone um, takes the, the infinity stones back because they're her children. And um, decides to one of the pairings I I like was on my list of that for that story because Tony's out of law enforcement in that one, and because circumstances are completely different than anything else I can see of it. But Tony Loki was a possible pairing for that one. So the whole creation stone thing that I introduced in Sentry. Uh, I actually had conceived for a story for the Quantum Bang that kind of wound up being a little bit of a non-starter because um, it was going to be much longer than I wanted to deal with for the QB. Um, so that was that was that was actually the first idea I had for the Quantum Bang, but then I used the Creation Stone stuff in Century, so you know I got to use it. <laughs> I like your art. <laughs> Did you see her headcanon accepted art? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That feels like podcast art. Like we're going to have a whole, a whole podcast. A whole podcast dedicated about headcanon. Head and, and sometimes you also incept other people into your headcanon very strongly. Um, so like Kira's headcanon about who her fan cast for Betty is is stuck in my head. I can't see anybody else as Patrick Shepard than Viggo Mortensen. I mean, that's just sometimes somebody else nails something for you in the, in on the fan in front and you're just like, yep, that's it. I can't. That's it. I'm done. Thank you. Um, (laughs) That's all I needed. Ted Cannon is, is really can be very deeply profound. So, um, I think headcanon and OTPs kind of kind of merge together because um, and, and and once you get there with something, it's it's really hard to get past it as a reader and as a writer. Um, like I don't think I could ever 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 read a story about Tony Dinozo and John Shepard hooking up. I can't. It it feels like full on incest. So, um, I, I just no. And it's not even the OTP violation, which is also there. The incest, the incest thing for me is much stronger than the OTP violation. Right. And the thing is, I know it's not actually incest, folks. Please, nobody write me and tell me they're not actually related. I know that. But they are in our heads. Yes, they I are. I even made and a cousin in um, Sentinels of Atlantis. 
I recast two different characters to make him. <laughs> They're cousins, so I could use Michael Weatherly's picture on my fan cast. You incepted me on that, Ellie. You incepted me. Any, I think anybody... Um, oh, yes, yes, Fire. I wrote one story with that, and I really like it. I liked it. I like those two together. Um, Tony Dinozo and Jack Dalton. I did a Spencer Reed and Jack Dalton. I was all about it. Wow. Wow. But Ellie, anybody who's seen The Magnificent Seven, Ellie put out there in in something that Maude Standish was one of Senior's ex-wives. And that... That's my headcanon now, is that Maude was married to Senior at some point. And you had to have seen The Magnificent Seven to appreciate the sheer level of con woman that Maude Standish is and why that is so brilliant, the two of them having been married. Um, that they thought they were – I think you, were, you wrote that they were conning each other, right? And they figured it out and decided to stay together for one last mark or something like that. Um, Anyway, so yeah, so Ellie, when she put that out there, she um, had to get rid of a plot idea where Ezra and Tony were in a relationship because she just made them stepbrothers. <laughs> so, and stepbrothers, they were only stepbrothers for a little while, but still, sometimes, you know, just even the kind of hint, well, we were stepbrothers once, I don't know. Sometimes you can screw up your own plotting with um, – it could be that one of the reasons why I've had a hard time I, – I don't – I did not have a problem reading this. The first time I wrote Harry and Draco in the same story, I wrote them as brothers, and that may not have been the best choice. <laughs> so um, I didn't quite – it's not like I gave myself a headcanon there, but I did like lay this foundation for myself – where my only writing experience with them really was um, them fully realized writing experiences with them as was them as siblings, and um, so when I tried to write them romantically, I, that could be part of the reason why it fizzled. I I didn't put much much effort into figuring it out. Yeah, it, it's been my headcanon that Ezra and Tony would be friends since I wrote Emergence, actually, because I had them connecting really well at the friendship level in that story because I just think that they would be good friends. But sometimes when I see somebody, this is an interesting thing about the friends to lovers thing, is there are characters that I could see Tony being good friends with that I can't go there to the relationship side. So it's like um, it's kind of, and I allude to it in a couple of stories. It is my headcanon that Tony and Martin Fitzgerald know each other. They grew up together in New York, and um, that they've maintained contact. Now, the degree of closeness that they have varies depending upon the stories. I alluded to Martin in. Um, He's from Cold Case, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And no, without a trace. He's from Without a Trace. Without a trace. Martin, I, I alluded to Martin in. Um, Sentry, I think. Anyway, it was either Sentry or Demons that I mentioned, Martin. And um, But I can't go to a romant- romantic place with the two of them. I see their relationship strictly platonic. Yeah, he's definitely featured very prominently in Journey Home is where 
I create, where I, where I establish them as friends. Um, but I do mention Martin. Um, I think it's Sentry because Tony's talking about why he doesn't have a problem with Hulk. And it's because Hulk saved Martin during the Battle of Knee for New York. And Tony mentions that. It's just a mention, and it was just kind of a, an Easter egg about Martin Fitzgerald, that they're friends. In that in that verse too, but it's my head can they they know each other in every Tony story I've written. It's just the degree to which they stayed close is, is different from story to story. Um, but I couldn't write Tony being really good friends with a variety of people that I could not put him in bed with. Um, for now, yeah, it's Ducky. Yes, I, could, I yes, ew. Um, <laughs> Rob Morrow. Uh, Morrow, not, not Rob Morrow. Morrow, the the director Morrow. Tom, Tom um, Morrow. Okay, yeah, okay. Tom Morrow. Um, Rossi? <laughs> David Rossi? Yeah, yeah. Now, it's my headcanon that in most of my stories, it, even though it's not explored, that David Rossi and Tony are related. I buy it. They're, they're related in... Um, in Demons, that's where his name comes from. Not from David Rossi, but Elizabeth Rossi, which is Tony's grandmother, is David Rossi's oldest sister in my in my Tony's his 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 mother's family's family tree. So it's Uncle Rossi. That's that's hilarious. He Uncle is. David. He's grand grand Uncle Rossi. They're not close. So there's four I in the family tree I created for that side of the family, there are four Rossi siblings. The oldest is Elizabeth. Um, and then the youngest, who's the only one born in the States, is David. Um, the other three were born in Italy. Um, Elizabeth, Stefan, and Antonio are all born in Italy, and then David's born. And now, if I need them not related, I just have David not existing. But that's the I created that for story a long time ago, that family tree. Um, but that David um, isn't close with anybody from that side of the family and so he and Tony really just they don't really have any contact but the, the family member Tony was always closest to was his uncle Antonio <laughs> well you won't have my that that headcanon for that story <laughs> Dark Seraphina has a story where Tony is married to uh, her name is Joy right Joy Rossi um, so yeah, if if I were writing a story where, where Tony were, were marrying Joy, he definitely wouldn't be married to wouldn't be related to Dave. Yeah, there will be no cousin marrying. Yeah, I could see I could see Tony being good friends with a lot of people, like you said, who I would not put him in a relationship with. Some of it is age difference. Um, I have kind of an upper threshold on age differences that I can deal with, and definitely Tony Ducky is way outside of my comfort zone. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't pair him with Rossi. Um, definitely, since I see them as related, but in general, I wouldn't. And that's really not even an age difference thing. I just 
this is my head it would be my I think I in, in my head Rossi's younger than Gibbs and I've paired Tony with Gibbs so it definitely could be an age difference thing but I could def I could see them being good friends um Tony Derek Morgan Tony and Derek Morgan I could definitely get into a relationship though so that's not a problem on the relationship front I could but I no, it's I put actually on my list my head of ones can, I could do yeah it's 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 my headcanon that Tony and Derek are friends in because in my mind, criminal minds practically exist in the same you not not technically, but I mean they're both CBS crime dramas that take place near DC. It's my they could easily do a crossover between those two shows shows and nobody would be surprised. And I don't know why they so, haven't. Right, exactly. So it's my it's my headcanon that those two actually do know each other and that they get along to some degree. If not, you know, close friends. So um I could definitely easily do a friends to lovers thing with those two. Uh, but people I could easily see him friends with. So far, Cam Mitchell is falling in that realm of more. I could see them being really good friends, but not relation, not lovers. But that that could change. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of the people that I've seen pairings for him for, I just can't get behind the. I'm like, what? No, uh-uh. not a chance. I've thought about the uh, Tony Spencer Reed thing. Um, I haven't quite gotten it like a plot. I had one plot idea that I thought would work for it, but it um, it didn't quite fully gel. I see some potential there, but. You mean Sam in the um, in the sense of platonic friendship, or Sam in the sense of the friends to lovers thing? Uh, but anyway, I I have a I I think I think there's potential with Tony Spencer. It's just I, I don't know that I haven't hit on the right plot for them there. Okay, Tony. Oh, I did do a Tony Elliott Spencer. I definitely see the potential in that pairing. But I don't know that it would be a friends to lovers thing. That's more of a, you know, in, you know, spontaneous combustion. We're gonna fuck like buddies the first time we meet thing. Oh, Tony Jack Carter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, actually, the unicorn relay has. What was the? Someone I, I read one of the one of the parts of the unicorn relay. Here I'm being a terrible fictiz. But I'm blanking on which one it was, where I was like, oh, I didn't see the potential for that pairing until I read it. Um, like it was on screen, and I went, oh, okay. Um, oh, you're right, it was Jack Carter. It was Jack Carter, yeah. I, I did see the potential for Tony and Jack, and I, no, Jack wasn't the one. Jack I did see the potential for, but it's not the one I was thinking of. Let me think and see if I can figure out who it was. I opened up the wrong thing. So, get back to the podcast. Um, no, not Tony Kate. No. Um, Sam Carter. I don't. I could see Tony and Sam Carter as being friends, but I don't. I. I 
the idea of that as a romantic pairing doesn't gel in my head. I think their um, friendship would even be a little difficult because of her ethics. Yeah. I think that if Tony had already left the um, NCIS, it would probably be because of um, Gibbs' ethics, and so he wouldn't want to involve himself heavily with somebody else whose ethics are questionable. And Carter's questions are, are Carter's ethics are often questionable. Yeah. Oh, it was Ellie's. It was Ellie's. I think it was Ellie's that had me shipping Chris Tony, which really surprised me because I usually ship Chris Venn. So, but he, I thought Chris and Tony had really good um, on-screen chemistry there. Um, and yeah, that's a terrible, terrible fix since that is not available to anybody. <laughs> I am sorry, but we are we are we are moving along on the unicorn relay. We've made. We've, we've, we're banging that out, folks. So that will be coming to a wild hair near you soon. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 at the we're exactly at the halfway point. Yeah, we've turned in we've turned in twelve of the relays so far. Thirteen is in process, and we have twenty five planned. Twenty five, including me, or I'm the last, or I'm twenty five. You're twenty five. So thirteen is okay. dead in the middle, which is where we are right now. <laughs> Look, saving Michael Bean is my calling. If I had room for a third story in July, I'd be writing the end of I'd be writing the end of the abyss too. Thank you. I hope if there's a fourth, you would be doing The Rock too, because he did not deserve <laughs> to die in that bathroom. No, he did not. That that cruddy shower in Alcatraz. Take the relay, not get away from us. It is going very well. It is the, the the plan is coming together. We even have a theme for the titles. It's it's just great. Everything's fine. Yes, it's coming together. We we it really it really is going the smoothest I've ever experienced a group writing challenge. No one's gotten bent and took their toys home yet. No one's, you know, no one's sunk the plot, you know, which is, which with a round robin is what always happens. There's some asshole who has to throw in, you know, some ridiculous thing. No, we know who all's writing. No. Still, everybody still to write has already written, I think, except for one person, and I know that she wouldn't. Two people, and they wouldn't think it. So. Yeah, because I haven't written anything. I resolved not to write anything during the relay, so I wouldn't tank myself as far as, like, where I'm going to land. Um, I actually haven't read anything past Jilly's, the first one, because I want to read them all at once and then find the natural place for for him to land. So...
Yeah. Twy, I don't know what to think about that your favorite story is Venom is horse. I hope that's platonic. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I hope it's platonic. Uh, Fire Lady, we are doing a fic relay called uh, Feeding Frenzy where Tony leaves NCIS and various people um, descend upon him and try to recruit him to their organization. Um, everything from the ATF to MI6. So, yes. And and I everything, mean everything in between. In between. Right. We we threw, we threw everything in the SEC. So. Yes. No, her. No. No. We don't. We don't need to have that discussion. Yes, it will be on the Wild Hair Project when we're done. We're not gonna. You know, this is me giving into my. Well, a it needs to be baited, and b. Um, you know, we want it complete before we start posting it. So uh, it will be posted as kind of like little mini episodes in, on the Wild Hair Project. Probably, we won't probably get all 25 parts at the same time, but it'll probably get posted on a very short period of time, like over the course of two or three days. So um, that's where it will be when we're done, and we're just plugging away at it. And and one of the reasons why we don't want to start posting until we're completely done is to give people the opportunity to maybe tweak a couple things um, in in the editing process before we start posting, so it's it's been a lot of fun and people plowed on and kept on going with it through through Rough Trade. People who were participating in Rough Trade uh, took this on on top of their Rough Trade projects and got got their stuff written. So it's been it's been going really well. And everybody will get a really big present because most of the parts are coming in close to five thousand words. So. Even if we have a 4,000-word average, we've got um, 25 parts, um, so that's 100,000 words. So um, it'll be 100,000 words owed to Tony, so yay. It'll, it'll be our love letter to Tony DeNozo. <laughs> and we just we refer to it as the unicorn relay because we talked about the Tonys are our, our NCIS unicorn. So I was like, yes, yes, it's platonic, you guys. <laughs> well, we are talking about fandom, so we can't take that for granted. Bestiality is a, almost a bigger issue in um, fandom as pedophilia and incest is. Holy crap, that's a four hundred. So the Tony and his horse story is for almost four hundred k. Not not Tony, Vin and his horse. That. Uh, wow. Okay. I appreciate the dedication to that. I do too. That's like that's going all in on your idea. The story is called In for a Peso, In for a Pound by Sue N. It is on Black Raptor, which continues to exist, which I think is great. I keep half expecting them to get put in through the open archive project or whatever it's called on AO3. But um Black Raptor is still the best source for Magnificent Seven fan fiction. 
Nothing that is 400K is a fast read. Sorry, it's 370K. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shaking my finger at you. No, there's just no way. It may, it could have nice pacing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I, I, I'll, I'll let you have that one. That it might have nice pacing and make it feel like it's flying by, but that is still a um, behemoth. That yeah, that that is a that is a hefty thing to to bite off. I'm, I don't <laughs> have anything that's 400k. The longest thing I, I have on, under under this pen name is 210 or 212, something like that. And that's an outlier because the next longest thing is 126K. So that, that 200. And I, if I edited, if I went in and edited Emergence, because there's a major thing I would cut out, um, A, if I did a re-edit, it would break it at least into two books. And B, it would reduce in size, I'll bet you, to um, probably by 20K at least. Well, if I added up all the parts of ties that bind, which is told in novella form, it's 402k. And yeah, all the parts of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, which is told in episode format, equals 386k. But I don't. My longest project that's a standalone project that's not episodes or novellas is Dark Darkly Loyal. Uh, yeah, in, um, at 181k. But Dragon Law doesn't doesn't feel that long. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't feel that long. But there also is no I, in my mind. I mean, this is your story, but in my mind, reading it, I didn't see a place that I would have gone. Well, there was a natural break. It's just some stories are just you know single contained there stories. Nowhere I could have stopped it and did a part two. There was nowhere I could have broke that up into two novels. And I did look no. at it when I was getting ready to. Um, to post it to see if I could break it up into two novels, and there was just no natural place to do that. There's oh, a toxic of a 400k novel. That's what I'm asking because I kind of did a double take there. Has you like? 300 hours to listen to it? I mean... Maybe she means a different story. No, she's saying there's a pod fic for that 370,000 word story. Okay. All right, Twy. Pod fic might, might be doable for me as, as to, to, to tackle that because I just don't have the you know, I could listen to it while I'm doing other stuff around the house. So I need to update yeah, my word count because I think I'm pretty close to three million. I haven't been adding my little shorts and stuff. Plus my quantum bang. I think with my quantum bang, I'm actually going to be over three million words. Wow. So. Yeah, dark. Um, I agree. KSL has a story um, a crossover between Houston Knights um, and NCIS. It's mostly. Um, Houston Nights with Tony going to Houston. Um, one's called, I don't think one's called Reflections. I don't remember what the other one is called. Uh, that is that's a, that's an exceptional um, NCIS series. Those two stories together, they're quite. Both of them are, are long, as I recall. But I'm totally blanking on that. I don't think they're on. 
I'm, I think you'd have to find them on Wonderful World of Make Believe. I don't think that there's. I don't think that KSL ever posted anywhere. Um, once the more re- modern archives, KSL was standout um, early day NCIS writer, um, who I don't think is. I have is a zip file of KSL stories. I've not KSL stories that I have not read yet. I have a whole folder dedicated to her. I have read all of KSL's works. Um, that that was like one of the first authors I found. She was still actively posting when I first started reading NCIS, uh, but she's not, as far as I know, not writing in the fandom, not active in fandom at all anymore. So, yeah, she was one of the original, what I think it was one of the original NCIS writers. She started writing, like, you know, in the first couple seasons. But I think... You can find her on the Wonderful World of Make Believe, but I'm going to double check since I mentioned that on the podcast. Yes, you can find KSL in the Wonderful World of Make Believe. It doesn't mean that all of her projects are there, though, but it looks like quite a lot of them are. Um, yeah, her her Wonderful World of Make Believe links to a GeoCity site, so that tells you how long it's been since since theirs. So I'll give the link to her site on Mirror Image and Reflection. So the first story that I mentioned was Crawford with Houston Knights. The first story is Reflections, and the second story is Mirror Image. They are both available on um, Wonderful World of Make Believe. Um, Mirror Image is 150K, and Reflections is 141K. So I'm bringing the link over. There you go. Um, the other story of hers I would highly recommend. There, I mean, all of her stories are well written. The, the other story I would really highly recommend of hers is Angel of Death. Um, that's a very interesting story where Tony is lifelong friends with literally the Angel of Death. I think that was the first story of hers that I read. And it, it's 50,000 words, a little bit smaller bite, but it's exceptional. Of course, I haven't read any of these stories in a long time. So, um, Let's see. Somebody found the pod fic. So there are links for um, a lot of this stuff in the Crossroads server. So if you're looking for this stuff and you can't find it, you can... Um, if you look at the, you can come over to Crossroads and do a search for um, has link in the main thing, um, and it will show you all the links that have been posted to the to the Crossroads thing. So rather than pinning this many links, it would be a, the the pins would become impossible to navigate. So that's the search you need to find all these links on the podcast is has colon link and you'll find it'll bring up all of the links that have been posted oh it's the thick ninja she is the thick ninja from way back when 
So it says the podcast. Am I reading this right? That it that says that the podfic is um, only six hours. How can you read 400k in six hours out loud? I don't. Is that possible? I mean, not that I've ever actually listened to Battlefield Earth, but the Battlefield Earth recording and it's every bit of 400k. I mean, I don't know how. I'm going to look it up. How long is Battlefield Earth? I don't want that crappy-ass movie. I want the crappy-ass book. Because seriously, the crappy-ass movie was crappy-ass. Okay, the audiobook of Battlefield Earth is I've got it up on Amazon, but it's not telling me how long it is. Well, the paperback is one thousand fifty pages. And the hardcover is seven hundred and fifty. Many words. Okay. Um, apparently, it would take you seventeen hours to read Battlefield Earth. Willow is saying it's two thousand. It's two hundred sixty-six k, basically. Okay, so 266K, um, the audiobook is 47 hours. Okay, at least so 428K. But either way, the audiobook is 47 hours. I don't understand how Podfix right? is 6 yeah, hours. My, my husband has that thing on CD, and it's like four or five CDs. It is obscene. And yes, he has listened to it. I'm not. I am way bitter about it. Okay, I am way bitter because I have listened to it too against my will. We have one minute and twenty seconds left. I did not want to end this podcast on Battlefield Earth of all fucking things. Um, but I will say this: having listened to Battlefield Earth, they picked the worst possible section of the book to make a movie out of. <laughs> he couldn't have picked a worse it was fucking ridiculous there is so much there are so many other better stories in that book he could have told that he didn't dumbest move ever anyways we're down to 48 seconds I want you guys to have a freaking fantastic Sunday and we will catch you later say goodnight Julie goodnight everyone <laughs>